Hey everyone, welcome to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. In the Mobile User Acquisition Show, we talk about how to use mobile user acquisition strategies to grow your app quickly and capital efficiently. The Mobile User Acquisition Show is presented by me, Shamant Rao, mobile growth leader and founder and CEO of the mobile growth consulting firm, Rocketship HQ. Each episode includes strategies, tips, and pointers from the leading edge of mobile user acquisition that you can use to unlock tremendous growth for your app in a sustainable and capital-efficient manner. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this edition of the Mobile User Acquisition Show. And this is an important, very crucial time for all of us as marketers because Apple has changed what has been the very basis of mobile marketing by making idea phase to be opt-in rather than opt-out. And this is going to take effect in this September. So these are challenging times. These are monumental times, or these can be times of opportunity, right? So this is a presentation I made as a part of a YouTube live earlier today, 26th of June. I will walk through the presentation in this audio. Now, to start off, I started off the presentation with what is a possibly apocryphal Chinese curse. May you live in interesting times. May you be recognized by people in high places. May you find what you're looking for. And that was a curse. And I think all three of those, all three elements of those, that curse can be applicable in some ways to our situation, to where we are as an industry today. As you know, as I had said, what has happened is that IDFA will become opt-in, which means every app starting with iOS 14 in September 2020 will show a prompt that says, hey, this app would like permission to track you across apps and websites owned by other companies. And users will get to pick yes or no. Very clearly, most people will just say no, right? And that's really the problem. And obviously, even right now, 30% of people have said no to having LAT enabled. And when it just becomes completely opt-in, I suspect that number is going to be no more than 10%. And to give you guys a some sense of the context around what sort of opt-in rates you could expect. Push notifications, which are opt-in right now on iOS, have an opt-in rate of 40 to 60%. GDPR, which I think is very poorly enforced and very poorly thought out, just has a ton of loopholes, has 70 to 90%. I don't think IDFA is going to be anywhere close to that. It's going to be far, far less than 40%, I would say. And I don't think GDPR is any sort of comparison for uh, what sort of percentages we can expect in the opt-in. How did we get here? Uh, How did we get to this point where IDFA is no more uh, a valid option for marketers? Until 2012, Apple had something called a UDID, which was a persistent identifier, and which is problematic because this was consistent across uh, for a user. And Apple said, right, we're going to have an IDFA 
and LAT. LAT was there in 2012, except it was buried within the user's device. It was really hard to uh, find it. And if a user turned LAT off, the marketer would know, marketers would know that it's off, but it was up to the marketers whether to do anything about it, which is kind of crazy, right? 2016, Apple said, right, we're going to make LAT such that if a user turns LAT off, a marketer cannot target them just because their IDFA is shown as zero. The next step was 2019 when Apple said, oh, on kids apps, we will not allow the presence of any SDKs or analytics or tracking systems at all. Really, that I think that was a trial balloon by which Apple said, look, this is the way things could be going forward. And really, they took the next big step this last Monday. Now, as a part of the recent changes, there is something that Apple calls the SK Ad Network. Now, I think the SK Ad Network is very rudimentary. It can take the place of what the MMPs have today, but really, it's an API that allows an advertiser to track ad networks, source apps, and source apps. Really, that's it, right? For each uh, ad that is run by an advertiser. That, if you think about it, is far, far less sophisticated than the MMPs and a lot of the in-house infrastructure that a lot of ad- the most sophisticated advertisers have. And if you think about it, Apple does not have a great track record when it comes to ad tech. I add and search ads were just terrible products. What could happen is that the SK Ad Network API can be built on top of. I do think a lot of companies can build some interesting products on top of the SK Ad Network. Now, I would like to look at what happens to the different elements of the ecosystem. MMPs, Facebook and Google, DSPs, SDK ad networks, Android, and you and me, marketing and UA teams. What happens to all of us? First, you know, I also want to demarcate what we do know and what is TBD. Right? Uh, MMPs. MMPs in the Current incarnation are based on IDFA. They just can't work. What is, T, you know, just because there's no other way they can get personally identifiable information. What is possible is they can build different kinds of tooling based on SK Ad Network because they do have a lot of historical data on which channels are working, which channels are leading to incremental performance. So definitely, I think they can build different tooling based on SKR network. Now, what's also TBD is whether campaign level aggregate data, because SKR network is giving us aggregate data, is this going to result in the same level of performance as right now? I don't think so. Performance will drop. Next is Facebook and Google. We do know that Facebook and Google control very powerful user graphs. They sit on massive amounts of purchaser data, but Facebook SDK in its current form relies very, very heavily on the IDFA. It can work without the IDFA, but it's going to be much, much less powerful. It'll be helpful to imagine one world 
that is similar to web-based businesses today where they operate and scale on Facebook and Google without an MMP equivalent. I think this is going to be very similar to the world we might find ourselves in. Facebook and Google could show less targeted ads just because Apple search does allow you to show ads targeted to LAT on users, just that these ads are very untargeted and that's certainly possible. And what happens if the ads are untargeted, the ROAS is going to be worse, the CPMs are going to be worse, performance is not going to be great, spends are going to drop. That's a very real possibility. The other things to note around Facebook and Google is that they do have an alternative in-house device graph that they could make work just without an IDFA. They could use the IDFV. They could use, uh, you know, basically because if Facebook has an MAU of 2 billion or whatever, it has unique identifiers on each of them. That's an IDFV. That is still present, right? Uh, And that is very, very powerful for Facebook to use to inform its Facebook ID, which is a, a different unique ID, right? Uh, it, they could use different forms of fingerprinting. They could use contextual aggregate data that doesn't involve IDFAs because they are still sitting on a pile of interest-based data, data from the Facebook pixels. So they do have a lot of data. What could also happen is Facebook and Google can strike side deals with Apple to run ads via SK Ad Network. Uh, That is a very real possibility. Again, the important question is, what happens to ROAS and CPM without user-level data? It is going to go down. The next important sector is really DSPs. What we know is that the DSPs cannot rely on device graphs. They can do retargeting via IDFV. But really, it's just going to be, you know, challenging to see how it might be operationalized because the IDFV cannot be used across different companies' apps. And so there's no competitive advantage to be had with IDFVs. And that is something that's still to be D. And I suspect that without user-level data, if a DSP is purely reliant on contextual signals, the performance is not going to be great. Again, uh, CPMs are going to drop. Ad monetization revenues are going to drop. So there is going to be a challenging time. There is going to be a tough time. With ad monetization, right, so SDK ad networks just can't operate in the way that they work right now. Header bidding and unified auctions are meaningless because you can't have user-level bids. What could happen would be contextual, non-personalized ads. Again, the CPMs are not going to be great. Ad monetization revenues are not going to be great. So this is going to be a challenging time. This is going to be a tough time for you know for a lot of players. What about Android? Android has no plans to make it opt-in yet. They do have an opt-out of ads personalization feature. And their opt-out rates are far, far lower than iOS. It's like 2 to 3% as compared to 20 to 30% on iOS. Google faces the same anti-privacy pressures, though, and they have been known to follow uh, what Apple have done. So 
I do realistically expect that Google will have something very similar and comparable to IDF, uh, basically IDF, uh, no IDFA regime. What about marketing teams, right? How are marketing teams going to change? A lot of our work is going to go from making deterministic decisions to probabilistic decisions. We're not going to be able to make clear, quantitative, precise judgments, but more like judgments and decisions at a campaign level, at a segment level. This is going to be more incrementality focused rather than last click focused. And that's the reality of how things will be. And the era of large media buying teams is going to give way to marketing strategists, really, just because we're not going to be working around, working out of a ton of Excel sheets, much like 2015, 2016. And we're going to be more like traditional marketing organizations. Yes, there have been headlines like marketing is dead, CMOs are going to die, user acquisition is dead. I don't think that is true. I don't think that will come to pass just because mobile apps are an 80 billion industry. Marketing, mobile marketing spend is going to touch north of 200 billion, uh, if, uh, if I recollect correctly. So we will, mobile apps will be there, marketing will be here. We will just need tools for a post IDFA world. We will just need very, very different tools compared to what brought us here. And not everyone will pivot successfully. There are a lot of opinions floating around in this post-IDFA world. I would say, ask questions. Ask yourself, what are people's incentives? And over the next couple of weeks and months, we will be waiting and watching and learning. We will be aiming to share first-party experiences, first-hand experiences of our own and of people we know. And please stay tuned. We will keep you all posted about what happens and what changes in this very, very monumental time, in this very, very potentially difficult time for a lot of us. I will conclude by this quote by Arthur C. Clarke. When a distinguished but elderly scientist states that something is possible, he is almost certainly right. When he states that something is impossible, He's very probably wrong. Well, you know, I don't want to say something is impossible or something is going to die. I think what lies ahead is an era of a lot of change, of a lot of opportunity. And uh, I look forward to keeping you all posted on what happens next. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mobile User Acquisition Show. If any of this was helpful or instructive, I would love for you to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast fix. This podcast takes a ton of time, effort, and love to produce, and I deeply value every review and every piece of feedback that you share. Thank you for listening, and I will look forward to sharing our next episode soon.